Well, last week we finished John chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. So today we will pick up our study with verse 17. But again, as we often do, let's go back and and read some of the prior verses that we studied last week. So with your Bibles open to John chapter 19, we'll just go ahead and start reading in verse 1. It says, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify and the power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not a friend of Caesar's. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, He brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And now our verses for today, verse 17. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Well, we've been studying verse by verse through the Gospel of John for the past 43 weeks. And we've seen all along in our studies thus far that everything Jesus was doing was leading him to what he called his hour. Right? Remember that? The hour of his crucifixion and death on the cross. It's now here. 
and he's arrived at Calvary's Hill. Calvary is the Latin word for the Hebrew word Golgotha that we see here in verse 17. And John refers to it as the place of a skull. Now, if you've ever seen a picture of this place, it's very easy to see that the shape of the rocks on this hill form uh, what looks like a human skull. Pilate here has them put a sign above the cross. But if you remember back when we studied John chapter 1, John referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew by the Spirit of God what Jesus had come to the earth for, and that time has now come. Jesus Christ is now going to be the Passover Lamb. The Jewish people had, at the time of Jesus Christ, celebrated the Passover feast for over 1,400 years. And every detail of the Passover feast pointed to Jesus Christ becoming our sacrificial lamb. Let's just take a little time and look at some of these details. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus is the second book in your Bible from the beginning. It's right after Genesis. So, Exodus chapter 12. And let's start reading, and let's just start reading in verse 1. So, Exodus 12, 1. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with butter, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so shall you eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover." 
For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So we see in these verses that the lamb was first of all to be a male without defect. Okay, Jesus Christ was a sinless man. He was perfect. Secondly, we see that all people must slaughter a lamb. Jesus Christ was slaughtered by the people. Remember last week we studied how they all shouted out, crucify him, crucify him. And thirdly, we see that there is deliverance from death for those that are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Okay, now let's get a little more uh, specific here in regards to the Passover. Let's turn to Numbers chapter 9. It's ahead two books from where we are now, Genesis, then Exodus, Leviticus, then Numbers. Okay, so Numbers chapter 9. And let's start reading in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. In the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month at twilight you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its rites and ceremonies you shall keep it. So Moses told the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all the Lord commanded Moses. So the children of Israel did. Now, there were certain men who were defiled by a human corpse, so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron that day. And those men said to him, We became defiled by a human corpse. Why are we kept from presenting the offering of the Lord at its appointed time among the children of Israel? And Moses said to them, Stand still, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your posterity is unclean because of a corpse, or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the Lord's Passover. On the fourteenth day of the second month at twilight they may keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man who is unclean and is not on a journey and ceases to keep the Passover, that same person shall be cut off from among his people because he did not bring the offer, offering of the Lord at its appointed time that man shall bear his sin. 
that man shall bear his sin. Verse 14, And if a stranger dwells among you and would keep the Lord's Passover, he must do so according to the rite of the Passover and according to its ceremony. You shall have one ordinance both for the stranger and for the native of the land. Okay, so there we see a little bit more specifics uh, regarding the Passover. Okay, but we also see a couple of different things in these verses. For one, the lamb was to have no broken bones, right? And such would be the case with Jesus, okay? Remember what we're, what we're looking at here, Jesus Christ. We're comparing how John, in John chapter 1, said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when he saw Jesus. Now we're going back to the Old Testament and we're, we're piecing it all together with how the Old Testament rituals and everything that they did all pointed to Jesus Christ, okay? So the Lamb was to have no broken bones, and like I said, such would be the case with Jesus. But we also see in, here, in these verses here that the Passover lamb was to be set, af- set aside for four days and examined for blemishes and such, okay? Well, you know what? This too happened with Jesus. As he was examined by Annas, Caiaphas, and then Pilate. And after all the examinations, what did Pilate determine? Well, Pilate determined that there was no fault that could be found in Jesus. Jesus was pure and innocent, okay? And one last thing we see in verse 14 here is that the same regulations regarding the Passover lamb applied to the stranger and to the one that was native born. So what does that mean? Well, today, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God to everyone to the Jews, and to the Gentiles. Okay, so do you see how, how all that ties in with Jesus as we're seeing in the New Testament as he's being crucified? Now, as we look back at all this information in the Old Testament, you know what? I'm barely scratching the surface here of all the information that pointed to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Everything about Jesus Christ lined up perfectly with the law that God had established with the children of Israel. Okay, like I said, I'm I'm only scratching the surface here. This this topic is worthy of a much deeper study, and hopefully we'll do that together someday. But you can do that on your own as well. But as we have now come to the crucifixion, in our study of the Gospel of John, we've got to that point now of the crucifixion. I just wanted to take you back to the Old Testament there and just look at some scriptures that point it to this day. Okay? All the symbolism that of the law and of what the Jews used to do, it all pointed them to the Lamb of God that was to come. You see, and that's all done with now. Religion is done with. Not one of us, none of us are able to keep all the law. None of us are able to do everything that the law required in the Old Testament. And keep that in mind. That's why there is a New Testament. That's why Jesus came. He came to fulfill the law. And we'll talk about that a little more as we go on. Okay? But back 
in uh, John chapter 19, right? Jesus is carrying his cross to Golgotha. And you know, actually, let's turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 27, because let's go take another look or a, a, a different, get a different view of what's taking place here with Jesus at the crucifixion, at his crucifixion, okay? Um, Matthew chapter 27. This is going to be Matthew's account of the same story. Jesus is now carrying his cross, right? And then down in verse 32 of Matthew chapter 27. Matthew, if you're not there, it's the first book in your New Testament. So Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. It says, Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross, Jesus' cross, okay? So, so now we have Simon carrying the cross of Christ, right? And then in verse 33, And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him, Jesus, right, sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink it. Now, the word gall there is the same word used in the Greek for the word myrrh. Myrrh was used as a narcotic to deaden pain. Jesus would not accept this drink. Why? Because he was going to fully suffer and take every bit of the pain of this death so that all of the pain of mankind would be upon him. Verse 35, Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So you see here, while God in the flesh was being crucified for the sin of the world, the sinners of the world were playing games with his clothing. Now, why do I point that out? Well, today, much of the world is the same way. They ignore what Jesus has done for them, and they go about living each day in a selfish and a very fleshly way. Now, I know I was guilty of that. I didn't care what Jesus did at one point in my life. But then I came to that point in my life where I realized that it wasn't all about me. I had to come to the end of me and surrender my life to Jesus Christ like we've talked about in other teachings and like we'll continue to talk about. But then verse 36 says, Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, 
You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So they're mocking him. But he didn't come down from the cross, did he? He could have, but he didn't. He stayed there for our benefit. And you know, also for our benefit, he's going to come out the grave, and we're going to see that too as we continue our study here. Verse 41, Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. So these people were mocking and ridiculing Jesus to the max. They were putting forth their stipulations. We'll believe in you if you come down from the cross, Jesus. You know, today people do the same thing. I'll believe in you, Jesus, if you do this or that. Heal me and I'll believe in you. Make me wealthy and I'll believe in you. Where were you when my loved one died, Jesus? Where were you when I prayed that I wouldn't lose my job, but I lost it anyway? But you know, that attitude is all wrong. Jesus died on that cross because this world is a messed up place. He died to redeem us from this world and provide for us a home in a much better place. There is sin in this world. There is death in this world. There is broken marriages in this world. This world is not heaven. And that is why Jesus says we are to be not of this world. Because as his followers, we have been redeemed out of this world. Let's go ahead and turn back to John chapter 19. In verse 23, John speaks of what the soldiers did with the clothing of Jesus. It says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. You see, the tunic was the innermost garment worn by Jewish men in that day. And in Exodus chapter 28, you don't need to turn there, but you can go study this on your own too sometimes. In Exodus chapter 28, it says that the high priest, that his tunic was to be made of one piece of material. There was to be no seam on it. That's just another prophetic thing here in regards to Jesus. Because he is our high priest. And therefore, he had this type of garment on. 
It was an expensive garment, and the soldiers wanted to lay claim of it. But even this was all prearranged by God. It was all part of his plan. All of that was prophesied of. Even at his death, Jesus was the royalist of all royalty, the king of kings. Verse 25 says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. So we see here that at the foot of his cross, there's only five people standing by him at the time of his death. Four of them are women, and one of them is a disciple, and it is John, the writer of this gospel. You remember a couple of weeks ago, we studied how John followed Jesus into the praetorium where he was to be examined by the high priest. But here's the question here. Where have the thousands gone? Remember how thousands of people followed him when he turned five loaves of bread and two fish into enough fee, uh, excuse me, food to, to feed over 5,000 men? Where are they? Why are they not at the cross standing in favor of Jesus? Turn back to John chapter 6. We'll see the answer to this question. John chapter 6. And um, let's start reading way down in verse 53. John 6, 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the, in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his d disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. 
And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, when the teaching got hard and it became personal, in other words, it cut deeper into people, many people left and they didn't want to follow Jesus anymore. You know, it was, it was cool when he was feeding them and they were all fat, dumb, and happy. But when Jesus told them that there was, there was more to it, they hit the road. They, they took off. And I mentioned this back when we studied chapter 6 several weeks ago. But it's amazing to me how the verse where people walked away from Jesus is John chapter 6, verse 66. 666. It's the work of Satan to get people to stop focusing on Jesus. He'll provide lots of fun for those that will just choose to ignore Jesus. You see, Jesus gave his all, and in return, we need to surrender all to him. But at the foot of the cross, there were only five. And only one of them was one of his disciples that had followed him day and night for three years. But nonetheless, Jesus died for all. Be they Jews, be they Gentiles, be they faithful, be they unfaithful, Jesus died for all. And looking back at John chapter 19. In verse 28 it says, After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on his sop, and put it to his mouth. So, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So now that the work is finished, Jesus had an announcement to make. And I'm sure his mouth was very dry and he could hardly speak. But now he takes a drink in preparation for what he was about to say and he says those words, it is finished. You know, there are many religions in the world. And they all have rules and regulations on what one must do in order to be righteous within their religion. But true biblical Christianity is based on not what one needs to do, but rather 
on what Christ has already done. You got to let that sink in. True biblical Christianity, biblically based Christianity. Okay? Now I know that there's all kinds of things done out there in the name of Christianity. Okay? But that's why I'm pointing you right back to the Bible and the Bible itself. Okay? True biblical Christianity is based on not what one needs to do, but rather on what Christ has already done. There is none righteous apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus proclaimed, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. His hour came and he faced it head on and he did it all for you and me. And all of those Old Testament regulation, rules and regulations that God gave to the children of Israel in regards to the Passover, Jesus fulfilled it all. No need for any of it today. It is by grace we are saved through faith, just fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ and him alone. It's not by any rituals that we perform. There is none good, no, not one. You can never do anything that will put you in right standing before God. It was only Jesus that could do that, and he did it, and on that cross, he pronounced it done when he said, it is finished, okay? So if you got a problem with religion, you're listening to this and you say, ah, religion's not for me. Well, it's not for me either. And guess what? It's not for any of us. And Jesus Christ is not about religion. He's the Savior that came for you and me and died on that cross that we might have eternal life. And He simply, He doesn't want you to turn to religion. He doesn't want you to join a church somewhere. He wants you to turn to Him and look unto Him because He, as the Bible says, is the author and the finisher of our faith. It all begins with Him, and it all ends with Him. So much has been done in the name of religion. So many injustices, so much bad stuff has happened out there. But, but I believe that religion has been used by the devil to distract people from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because He is the answer, the one and only answer. There is no other name given under heaven whereby men might be saved. It's just in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. God bless. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.